0: Revolution from your bed, welcome. This week has been the most profound podcasting or interviewing experience I've ever had. We have an amazing guest today. Her name is Karina Karen. She's a trauma-informed coach from the UK. She was an executive in a Fortune 500, an athlete, a personal trainer, and much, much more. But more than that, She's an incredible, inspirational human being. And when I say incredible, inspirational, I'm going to use her words. She's a giant. And I've never in my life even suspected that a podcasting experience can lead me to literal tears. Enjoy this episode and we will have a second part for it because this conversation went so deep that one episode is simply not enough enjoy. I never in my life encountered a a trauma coach before. So it's just (laughs) incredible to know that it's existing. And I think that what I want to discover today with you is what is it what you're doing? How is Mm -hmm. it different from kind of regular high street psychotherapy practice? (laughs) And what led you to do what you do? Um, just to have a free chat, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think like at the, at the end of the day, when we decide to, to go into something that we're really passionate about, it, it tends to stem from a story. We've come from somewhere and we've got a story to tell. And in our minds, we know that that story is going to captivate the audience, captivate people in a way that's going to help transform them in some way because we've all got our part in life so your story will connect to certain people my story will connect but there's a common theme and which is to to bring good to the world to draw awareness to something we might not know about and then just to take that to a higher consciousness level so that we can really expand on the awareness on the techniques on resources that are out there even whatever spoken about in here and be able to take ourselves, ourselves as a human being as an individual to a higher level knowing that there is healing off the trauma which is the specific area that i come from or there is healing after chronic illness which we both have so yeah it's um it stems from somewhere and that's kind of where my passion has come from from my own journey where extremely high trauma and In the last two years, I embarked on a journey which was psychotherapy, which was therapy specific, but it was focused on trauma healing, which I didn't realise how bad it had affected me until it got to the point where I already had chronic illness anyway, but it got to a point where I wasn't doing the things, even though I was successful in my career, I wasn't excelling to a point that I knew that I could do because I was limiting myself because of my own beliefs, but also things like my speech was being affected. I was having constant asthma attacks. I was just depressed. I was staying at home all the time. Like I didn't want to go out and I knew something had to change. I I hit that point, which felt like a break point. Like I felt like I'm going to break if I don't make a decision to change. So that's kind of like where it stemmed from. Before I go any deeper, but yeah, hopefully that's a, a good intro.
0: <laughs> that's a perfect intro because I, I, you just helped me to connect two major dots in my life in in this intro before I. Became a professional patient, as I, <laughs> as I am. I was really helping people to get their stories out. It's something that was really burning inside of me. And because I was one of the first people in Israel to, to organize a TEDx event, we didn't know what to do so much. We, have, we had limited guidance. So we kind of had to develop our own method, methodology to train speakers. So I became kind of an unwilling uh, public speaker trainer or storytelling Mm -hmm. trainer and I always thought oh this part of my career is kind of a bit remote of what I'm doing right now and how can I kind of intertwine the two and it's amazing that what you said right now is just drop a coin because you just started off without even me asking a question telling about how your story and how what you tell yourself and what we tell other kind of shapes kind mm-hmm. of who we are, and it's super interesting for me because we're going to talk a lot about trauma today. And I don't know if you know it, Karina, but I, I've, I've published a book a few months ago. And mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning of the book, I'm talking a lot about the physical, the, the, the illness of the body. But at the end of the book, because it was such a crazy journey of writing, I realized that my chronic illness is probably deriving from trauma. And mm-hmm. it's time to go out on a healing journey and I just started psychotherapy again. So firstly, I want to, to thank you for, for coming and I, I want to kind of reconnect those dots. So you you told a bit about your story and I don't want to trigger you into something you don't want to say, but I wanted to ask you a bit about how did you become a coach in general mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. to explain what is the specific type of coaching that you do because I never encounter it and it's so fascinating to me.
1: Mm. I like to be different, put it that way. (laughs) So I think being different and and really stepping into, I'm someone that likes stepping into my internal fear. Like I believe that if I really go into it, I'm going to find something that is going to be pretty special and it is going to take me somewhere else. And that's when, like, my podcast is rewriting fear to courage. So let's put the podcast aside and just think of the title. And what I do in my work is working with others to rewrite their fear to courage through this journey of being able to detach or desensitize unwanted emotions or sensations from distressing and traumatic memories. I specifically do that. Now, I'd have to touch on my story for it to make sense so I'm going to touch on it briefly I'm no longer triggered by my story I've done a lot of work and I'm really proud of that so I don't know if you've heard of the adverse childhood experience score it's something that's there and out there so my my score is 10 okay so by the age of seven it was it was 10 but there was also some adult occurrences that happened as well now Anything I speak speak about has been reported, so I just make that very clear to the listeners as well. So I'm very proud of that. It took me a long time. I reported these things two years ago. So I'm not going to go into detail on anything, but I'll just explain the type. So I was adopted, and I grew up with a biological mother that basically was a psychopath. Now it was it went from mental health to mental illness. However the actual diagnosis and the understanding of that, because we're looking back before the 70s, wasn't so established in the way it is today. So the signs were being missed, and I was constantly going back to this person that was of extreme danger. So inflicting pain. There was no sexual abuse from her. There was no sexual abuse when I was a child. But it was inflicting pain, burning like burning my body, physical, like thrown across the room, kicking, beating up. Now, I say thankfully, but it had some kind of emotional scarring because these things happen before the age of three. So if you think of the stories that we hear in the news, okay, where a child hasn't made it, and we know they're under the age of seven, It breaks our heart. we know, even me saying that now, that's going to really resonate with anyone because it's like the thought of a child uh, leaving the world in so much pain is quite a horrible thing to even stomach. I survived it. I survived it. But I had a baby brother that didn't survive it. So I went to, yeah, I went to, at the age of three, I was taken into the children's home. Some people say orphanages in, in the UK, it's called a children's home. And at that point I was sexually abused. So I, I, str- I suffered with child abuse. Again, this is, these are all things that have been reported. So I'm three years old. Then I'm adopted at around the age of six. I was adopted and incredible mother who I absolutely love and adore. <laughs> and, we one would think okay, life should get better for a child at this point, right? But it didn't. So, for some reason, I've still been let to, to see my biological mother, and her illness was getting out of control. She had another child by that point, point. his name is I've got his picture there, I always have it next to me, and I'm talking because it just makes me feel like calm. And it's like it feels like he's saying, Thank you for sharing my story because his name is now finally being. Sp- spoken about whereas I was the only person that had his name inside me I was never able to talk about it only two years now that I've been doing that so I had this great last memory with him where he threw up all over me he was only nine months old just about managing to walk hold on and (laughs) walk threw up all over me I thought it was kind of gross and but we just had so much laughter but that was that night I went to sleep that was the last time I, I saw him He was brutally murdered, horrific murder. And when I look back now, I think to myself, I realise how lucky I was. Like, I've been given this gift and for a long time, for my whole life, I saw it as this, now I'm separating to be my own entity. But for a long time, it felt like I was living the life that he should have had. So I felt like I was two people living their life. So someone with that kind of trauma definitely needs psychotherapy to help with the healing, to help calm, to help regulate, to, to give the inner self a sense of peace and calm and understand that it's not your fault. You know, all these other, you know, things that started coming to me, I was absolutely devastated when he was gone. It took me, I don't think I've actually got over it, but now I'm at peace. I feel like calm. Now, after that, That was when I was like six-ish. And by the age of 11, I started getting unwell. I started having like the bleeding and stuff. And this is when ulcerative colitis came into play and then Crohn's disease. And quick note, they're both inflammatory bowel conditions. One is more treatable and you're able to regulate it. The other one gets a bit more out of control. And because it's a disease, it can go from your mouth to your back passage. It's an inflammation of the bowel or the or the tract itself, the tract is like from the mouth to the back passage. So that was, I was inflamed from the mouth to the back passage, basically. And I was very, very ill. Now, you think of the trauma I went through and the silence that came with that. Where else is the trauma going to go? It's going to go on the inside, right? And then there's no expression because I'm adopting, I'm with someone that's giving me food, water, a roof over my head, giving me love, like, How can I tell them I'm not okay? (laughs) When you're a kid, it's like, you it's this, you know, and you're adopted. It's kind of this push-pull thing. You want to say so much, but you don't know how to say it because you don't want to hurt that person that's giving you the thing the other person should have given you, you know? So it was all internalised. And, yeah, I moved forward quite a bit. By the age of 23-ish, I had my bowel removed. It was planned surgery, but I became very unwell. I went down to about four stones. I'm like nine stones now. So if you think of a 23 year old at that kind of weight, was very, very ill. And emergency surgery had to say bye to my parents and my brother. I've got another brother who I'm very, very close to, and uh, that was tough, (laughs) but there was no part of me that believed I wasn't going to be okay. So I said bye, but I didn't mean it. I said to my mum, like, it's fine. God's got me. I'm a very strong believer in God. And everyone's got their own thing they use. It could be universe or energy or God or just themselves. But I believe in God. And I made it. I made it. And of all things, in that moment, as I came round, I remember thinking I'm going to be a personal trainer (laughs) of all the things you could freaking think about. (laughs) like yeah can't move in so much pain yeah couldn't do the whole walking thing I had to learn to walk again and coordination and stuff like that but I was so determined to do something with my life so I'll pause there that's that's the trauma stuff because you might want to ask me some stuff but I'll go into the coaching part in a, in a second well um I I, I really I'm
0: so angry and touched and, and so many emotions, raw emotion comes up because when I have guests over in this podcast, I never do so much research because I I believe in the power of a human kind of plain human conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I knew there's probably a trauma in your past, but I could never imagine what you've been through. And i and I I know it, these words means maybe nothing because you heard, hear it all the time, but I'm I'm (laughs) deeply sorry that what you've been through and I, it's really a very hurting point for me because my, my trauma is, is related to this field from, from another angle. And what you said about being silent and then develop illness that is related to, to the, the GI tract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really resonated with me. Thank you so much for sharing this. This is really like uh, broke me from the inside for a second. I, I If there is one thing I cannot stand is that defenseless people or Mm -hmm. any creature is being abused, and I was always a a fighter, and advocate for for this. And when I was a paramedic, it was the thing that really got me off my, my center when I've witnessed events like this. And I'm trying to understand how does, you know, I've been through a lot of adversities in my life and horrendous decade that I've been through. But, how does somebody like you that's going through and i and i'm and I'm so humble because all my military trauma and medical trauma that I've been through uh, I cannot even compare and and try to to grasp what you've been through, but how do you pick up yourself and find a purpose and your purpose was more when you say personal trainer, I just gonna make it clear you mean sports wise right
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: How do you I mean, pick of, up all, of all
1: of all things, of all I mean, things, yeah, but You're in bed. You're in the hospital bed after major surgery. That's the thing that came to my head. And you said, you know, you, you. I'm very grateful for the words you just said to me there. So no matter how many times, you know, anyone says thank you for sharing the story or that touched them, or they're angry or the emotions, like I take that in because these are responses I didn't have when I was a kid. So I'm going to absorb it. And really see, actually, this is how the world should be. And that helps heal the inner younger me from before. That's the way I look at it. So every praise, every compliment, I take it with no ego. I take it and I just allow myself to absorb, <laughs> you know, because I think that's it's the only way we can be because there was too much that a lot of my life where that didn't happen and I deserve it. But also it gives justice to other characters in that story, but also to the person saying thank you, because it means they have touched, it's touched them in a way as well. So, yeah, I'm grateful for that. So let me answer your question. You know, how does someone like me or someone that's been through that kind of journey make that change? You know, how, how do I do it? So... All I can say is, and I've said this in stuff that I've written before as well and and other things, you know, other conversations, there's just always been something inside me that's believed I could be more. There's just always been it. Sometimes we have that. Sometimes we grow and learn how to have it. And sometimes we just never get it. You know, I was, I'm quite lucky. I'm blessed in the sense I've got this force. Like I feel it while I'm talking. That's just there but I, you can't just have energy or knowledge and do nothing with it you have to take action make decisions and take action and raise your level of awareness as to what else can you do what else can you bring to the table and sometimes it means there's nothing coming back but someone is going to hear that message someone's life is going to change because of one thing you said oh, i always say if it's just one person just one person out of the whole wide world there's billions of people I can touch and influence and they change their life I've done the job I'm meant to do so it took a lot of focus determination grit and tears to get where I am now basically it's taken a lot of hard work you know I up until nine years ago, just under a year, nine years ago, I was working in leadership in a, a Fortune 500 financial company. I was doing really well, you know. And even in that role, I expanded myself. I created a network for for Asians because they there wasn't this, there wasn't something that was there. After Black Lives Matter happened, the Asian and Black network kind of split, but in in a good way. It was in a good way because resources were needed, you know, for the subjects at that moment that mattered. And it left an opportunity. You know, there's people that need to have some kind of guidance, but also feel like they belong. Hence me being a coach now. When you see that the sense of belonging has such an impact, you realize actually, I realize that is definitely my calling <laughs> to be able to coach. So, I do trauma coach and I explain what that is, but I see myself as a mentor. But I haven't positioned myself as that yet. I will be very soon. But at the moment, I'm building that credibility because I know when you're really good at your work, it shows. It just shows in the numbers, it shows with the words that come back it shows with the testimonials and more people want to talk to you so I always say let the work do the job it's meant to do and leverage what's what's there to be leveraged from it and move, keep moving forward it's not about moving up it's about moving forward because we're all human beings we're all the same level you know we've we've all got the heartbeat breath you know like, we can't steal any of that. You know, I can't steal your heartbeat. You can't steal my air. <laughs> There's just abundance of it, right? So when we think on that kind of level, it, it changes the mindset a little bit. So that's kind of like how i done it, which isn't really an answer. Some people be like, yeah, but did you do this? Did you do that? No, I just simply really strongly believed in myself. People around me believed in me, like literally 100%, like my partner, my brother, they're my two biggest advocates and they just would not let me fall. I saw them as parachutes. They just had an idea, always have an idea. <laughs> like just before I came in here, my partner's like, can you just proofread this? I was like, yeah, have you seen my, my colouring pencils? Each other? It's like two different worlds. <laughs> like, you know, but it's about us being authentic, being ourselves because my creative energy might be different from yours, but our impact's the same. And when you're a coach, you are a leader as well. You are a mentor as well. And by belief, that, that inner belief and working hard and knowing you've got the clear goals that you've got and knowing also the power from the trauma has now dispersed. I have the power in me. The trauma doesn't have the power in me anymore. That power's gone. The thought of these people that inflicted the power of them still hurting me is gone. And it's about being able to create that energy And that impact with people that have the resources and then really listening, studying and understanding those resources, which might be psychotherapy, might be coaching, might be having medication, you know, it might be whatever. I've never had medication for my mental state in any way, but it doesn't matter what it is. It's about understanding how that works and then how to use that knowledge and move forward in it and create an influence and change in the world in some way.
0: This is incredible. You're a very good interviewee because you just um you tell a story. You you're you're not guided by questions that are <laughs> limiting you, which is wonderful. And I and I definitely think that you should expand yourself and be a motivational speaker because you definitely have it going for you. Maybe I'm Thank saying you. it because also maybe I'm kind of trying to ease my kind of rumble inside because it's I'm deeply touched by your story and I, and I want to help our listeners to understand you You take this adversity in your life and then you find something to cling on and 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 you have you just said in a few sentences, yeah, like I've become I've become from uh, you know from somebody basically in bed and debilitated to 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 be a personal trainer. and then I was working in leadership role in tech of fortune five hundred and then i'm I'm a mentor and and coach. And this is incredible. This is something that people would I'm not even mm. talking about trauma. First of all, the first layer but- chronic illness sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. are they don't believe that they have the, the, the ability to do. So maybe you can break down to us how can somebody that is now lying in bed mm-hmm. find the strength and, and focus themselves on something. Maybe it can be kind of a leeway drug, you know, like mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. your first job, but to, to kind of go back to the highway again from the mm-hmm. highway shoulder and, and keep on moving.
1: I get you, I get you there. So so what I would do is I share the words that my mum said to me when I was rock bottom and I I didn't want to move. I, I had got home from the hospital, I had the stoma bag, which is when you have your bowel removed, you have to have like something that you stick over, right? The yeah. the other end of the bowel so the stool can go into it. So and I was just thinking, what well, you know, what the hell? I had a lot of hope. <laughs> But I had no idea how I was going to get there and I just couldn't stop crying. It was a shock to me how I looked. I just couldn't walk. I was like thinking this is going to take forever. (laughs) There's no way I was thinking I'm not going to have, I mean, I am gay now, but I was thinking I'm not going to have a boyfriend. No one's going to love me. I'm just probably going to be at home all the time. I just couldn't see a future. At the point of the hospital, I wanted to be a trainer by the time I got home within a few days, well, it took a while for me to go home, but by the time I got home, I was not in that state. I was like depressed. Yeah. And my mum said to me after, I think it was about three days, she said to me, she made me, she didn't bring the breakfast upstairs. <laughs> so I had to come down. So I had to like bum down the stairs to get to the kitchen and I sat down just crying. I was always, my head was always like, you know, leaning my forehead on the table. I just didn't want to look at anyone. And she said to me, she came and like eye contact. And she said to me, girl, because she's Guyanese. <laughs> she was like, girl, I didn't, I can't do the accent, but which is a shame. <laughs> Definitely a child. But she was like, girl, you know, I, she was, she said, you are my daughter. I did not adopt you. And that moment you became my daughter for you not to be anyone. You are someone. Do you want to be like your biological mum? She said the name of the person. Yeah. And obviously there was no way I wanted to be like that. But that person had severe mental health that turned to mental illness that tend, tend, turned into psychopathic traits, right? Diagnosed, yeah. And I just imagined myself being like that. Imagined, you know, being horrible to people. And I just thought it was just a definite no. I'm not going to be that. And she said, you're... My daughter, you're someone to me, and I love you. And I want you to be the daughter I've always imagined, however that looks, because you deserve it. You deserve this life. This is more or less word for word what she said, okay? It's not really me paraphrasing. And I just, we both burst into tears, and the love that I felt for myself and the gratefulness I felt for her and I just dried my tears I still cried loads but I dried my tears I ate my breakfast and I said I'm ready I wanted her to do the physiotherapy for me I wanted to learn how to walk up the stairs I started envisioning myself being able to walk without support being able to go to the toilet without support emptying my stoma Without feeling uncomfortable, I just had this surge of, I can do this. Was it easy? No, it was awful. (laughs) But when you have to recover from an injury or an illness where you've been bedridden for a long period of time, the body simply needs to have movement again. Okay. There's going to be some people where the movement doesn't matter. That's, you know, that's the ability that you have. Some people call that disability. I call it the ability. So it just it's a matter of saying to yourself, do I want to change? Yes or no. There's no yes, but it's either do I want to change, yes or no. And this is a principle I use in my coaching as well. They say what they want to do. Are you ready for change? Are you willing to put that effort in to make a change? It's very simple yes or no answers. You can't say, I don't know. There's no, I don't know. It's your life. And I made that decision. I put the effort in. Just like when I went therapy for two years, I've not missed one session every single week, regardless of where I am in the world, (laughs) regardless whether I feel like talking or not. It's about getting up, whether that's in your wheelchair, whether that's sitting up in the bed, whether it's going to physiotherapy, simply opening curtains you get up you do something you move and you feel good about moving it's just the tiny steps that create the proper strong footprints that i always say that the giants leave in the sand because when you've been through adversity you're not a person you're a giant <laughs> <laughs> and the footprints you leave are freaking giant footprints right so that's my kind of tip it would always be the words that that made me change, which was from on, on
0: This is really incredible. And I thought I'm inspirational. You <laughs> um, are. <laughs> you are. No, just kidding. You said three very important things there that I want to kind of start with. The first one, I think the support system within chronic illness and, and recovery in general is incredibly important. <laughs> the second one is this moment I called... I I call this moment hitting rock bottom or like when you're sick of your sickness that you, you, enough is enough and now you're ready. And this commitment, the the third one, people don't understand that rehabilitation is not, is not as physically hard as it is mentally hard. Mm. And it's about decision. It's like, you didn't miss a a psychotherapy. I didn't miss never, even though I I would faint 10 times a day, I would never miss a physical rehabilitation kind of appointment because I knew that the relapse will be tremendous for me. Mm -hmm. to to stay one day in bed so i think it's it's really incredible
1: and yeah so so and it's their their work their work specifically that's inspired me to be, do what i'm doing now so i can't remember where i was so we'll have to do the editing to tell your person but yeah just tell me where i'm more or less that i was and I can you just
0: said it. that you said that if somebody will look for their work they will find like much more than than what we're talking about here that it's it's biological yeah. it's it's psychological it's it's very in-depth yeah um, maybe just can if you can wrap it up like
1: yeah yeah i will so and, and even if listeners go online and, and listen to this work not only will you gain the knowledge, what we're, myself and Roy are talking about, will also make sense. And you will find great healing just by watching some of the material. So I'll just, I'll just wrap that up. Is there a link? Yes, there is a link. Is it proven? Yes, it is proven. And what we can do is something about it. Treatment like somatic psychotherapy or a psychotherapist as well for example there's different types but even coaching and it depends on what can you afford you know no one's going to take you on board unless it's the right thing for you as a trauma coach it's just there's that level of you know you just have to do what's right for the human being but it's cheaper that's the thing. It's cheaper and there's no weight in this. That's the good thing about coaching. There's no waiting in this and it's cheaper because there's not loads of trauma coaches out there. We're very few, but you need people that understand this stuff and understand how to get you in a sense of safety, a sense of regulation and a sense of connection. Yes,
0: yeah, so if cool. you're not. Yeah. Go on. So, I, and I will just put a little bit this disclaimer here, where, like, I'm not recommending. We are not recommending that somebody no. will uh, choose a coach and not go no. through psychotherapist because the, psychotherapy, because it's just not it's, it's not a good practice to to mm-hmm. recommend any of those, right? And and you agree with me there?
1: Oh, absolutely. So we say psychotherapist, but in in general, we're we're talking about therapy. Okay, so nothing here being said, even as a coach always you always seek medical help first yeah okay we're in the heat of a conversation this is re- relative to the conversation in the realms of this conversation you might just be starting out and you're needing help and support and no matter what you do number one just ask for help anyway because people will always guide you to the signpost you but this this conversation in no way replaces you getting professional help call your GP you, you know your doctor Find out where you can go. Do the research before you go. Listen to what other people said about speaking with that person and go and get the therapy if that's what you're signposted to. It always comes first. We have to put the medical side first because there are people, the the professionals know the brain on a higher level and that's what you need when you've been through trauma yeah so yeah even in my work I always say therapy first I'll do screening and make sure the therapy is done first because I don't want to yeah I had a bad experience with someone that had mental illness which would be my biological mom, and it wasn't mental health and they were not looked after in the way they should so I've learned the hard way and there's no way that's been repeated so yeah always get a professional first get advice from a professional first
0: Thank you for this. There are a lot of hacks out there and coaching is not a regulated profession in general. And, and I've seen a lot of people who are, you know, self-proclaimed coaches and there is a professional responsibility. You're, you're dealing maybe with the deepest form of coaching, the most <laughs> risky one is trauma. But even in business coaching, there are a lot of people out there that are not very capable and I think it's always worthwhile to, to research. I will. We will record another part for this, but because it was, it was just um, a bliss and such a great learning and human experience for me as a conversation with you, Karina. And I always like to ask my guests to ask me a question to to finish the the episode. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. So,
0: if you have any question for me, it will be great to
1: to answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, lovely! I like that. So, when you were little, Roy. Okay, when you was little, Roy, before the army or before. You- you know that that sorry that line of work. Did you say you was in the army? Or?
0: Yeah, I, I'm Israeli, so we Israel, have to, you
1: we have have to be directed
0: it. to the army. Yeah, it's
1: okay, that's a whole other great story. Yeah. What was it you aspired to be when you were little? You what was the thing? Obviously, you knew you had to do certain stuff, okay. Let's let's put that aside. That was part of life in Israel, okay, as an Iranian child. But what was it that you wanted to be and do when you was little, Roy? And how close or have you had the opportunity to do that?
0: This is one of the best questions I've been ever asked. So, thank you for this. I will divide my answer into two. So, firstly, cool. this is how I start my book. I've always, and my TED talk, I always wanted to be a doctor. Or so, so I thought I want to because mm-hmm. I thought that doctors have the best toolkit to help people. I really wanted to help people. But I also wanted to empower people, but I didn't know it was not trendy back then in the late 80s or so, like this word empowerment. So I didn't know exactly what it entails. I I had a moment of clarity around the age of 15 or 16. And I was very connected to my authentic self. And my authentic self back then, before podcast, I wanted to have a radio show. I wanted to have a biology degree. I wanted to have medical training that if something happens, I can respond and help people in need. I wanted to be a sort of an entrepreneur that develops stuff that can help people and empowers them, especially in the field of healthcare. And I must say that I've achieved all of that. But Yes, you have. <laughs> this is crazy, but it took me such a great detour. We're talking about like, it wasn't just a pit stuff. I had to really get off-road, completely flip 10 times and crash and burn so I can drag my burning car back to to, to the track because I was so convinced that being a doctor is All I need in life to be happy, my complete happiness was tied up into this, tied in into this idea. It was totally conditioned. So I stepped away from all of my dreams. And and a few weeks before medical school, I actually thought, wow, it's it's not the right idea for me right now. I'm not prepared. It's not exactly what I want. It's almost there. And then I, I... whooshed right in, just like I did with the military and, and I ended up super sick. And eventually I didn't, I didn't went to, to medical school. So yes, I, I'm now where I want to be, but I had to be beaten up pretty badly to, to get there.
1: Mm, that just, that show it tells me so much about you as a human being. So much about you. Oh, thank you. And yeah, there's, there's just so many qualities that come into there. And the fact that you have the chronic illness that came after, but you had that. But yeah, it, it just kind of, it's kind of telling me in a sense where that came from. There's, there's so much power. Like when we look back at the young our, like younger self and then see where how well we've done as in, well, as in in ourselves. it doesn't matter about anyone else. There's such a great story in that itself. And I think sometimes telling the story of the little child and telling the story as the adult they're great parallel stories to have and just see how they kind of interweave because there's going to be some stuff you told yourself as a kid the good stuff that's still going to be in you that you probably still say today you know there's going to be things when you look in the mirror that you probably used to say when you were little and now you're saying it now so we're definitely going to come back to this conversation as you say look out for part two everyone (laughs) thank you for that answer
0: Thank you so much for for being here. and i and um it, it's just this answer resonates with so many things inside of me because you know I, eventually, I, charity work was so important for me, and I always volunteered, and now I, I found my own place to do it. and and this this is the purest, like purest of moment when you realized what did you want to do and what did you tell yourself? and yeah. and now i'm I'm very privileged to be healthy enough and strong enough to. To live the life that I that I wanted, but I think that in order to kind of remind myself this authenticity, I really have to go through this trauma healing, because I think it's super brave to acknowledge that you have a problem yeah. and that you want to heal. And I and I will be so intrigued to hear in the next part more about your work and how to how to combine it in my healing journey, Karina. I I can't even start to thank you for your being and and authenticity and honesty and being with me here today from the UK and I can't even wait for our next part thank you so much me
1: too you're very welcome me too I just feel really proud of you I just wanted to say thank you as well so I look forward to to part two because there's going to be some great stuff coming from me Exactly. So I can't wait to take everyone on the journey of how I work and what I do. It will be, it's gonna be so fascinating, even if it's just listening to it and not deciding to do it, again, <laughs> but it's gonna make you want to get up and do stuff. So I think is... yeah, combined we are a great force of nature. So thank you. Oh,
0: definitely. <laughs> like uh, like two giants roaming the world. And and <laughs> you said you said it just now that like um you want to get people. Out of their beds, out of their mm-hmm. comfort zone. It's just like this podcast. This is the the podcast podcast's idea, to really yeah. move people into any direction to start doing something mm-hmm. with their life. So, again, thank you so much, and please check out Karina's work. I'm going to link your website here, and looking forward for our next next meeting. This was the first part with Karina. I'm 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 shaking. Uh, you d- you didn't hear most of it because I muted myself so you can hear her better. But uh, my tears and my shaking and and my internal struggle and pain when she was talking was real. Um, I, I'm humbled and honored to have somebody like Karina in my podcast as a guest and in the next episode we're going to talk more about her work as a trauma-informed coach more about how can coaching can help us heal our wounds and help you whatever you have a chronic illness or not see you in the next time